Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Acts 19 and verse 8, Paul entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. I want to talk about speaking to persuade. One thing I cannot stand is going up to a car lot and for a salesman to come up and try to sell me a vehicle. I know more than you. I know what I want. Um, I know what I don't want. Leave me alone. I'll let you in in my life, in my shopping circle, when I'm good and ready. I just can't stand to be sold something. Don't don't add me, you know. Um, after a, I'll, I'll give you this analogy. After taking over a, uh, a new work, working with a new church, preachers given a highly complimented, um, you know, comments on his first sermon. A, a number of people told him that it was just, just what the congregation needed. Now, the next Sunday, he preached well again, but the congregation was greatly puzzled because he preached the same sermon as before. The third Sunday rolls around when the same sermon was preached again. The people came to the preacher for an explanation, and he said, yes. Why, yes, it is the same sermon. You told me the first Sunday how much you needed just that, and I watched all week for some change in your lives, but there was none, so I preached it again. (laughs) I watched all next week, still no change, and I don't see any yet. Do you think I'd... I'd better prepare to preach it again next Sunday. (laughs) I don't recommend that you do that. That boy's preaching what's called a moving sermon, okay? Either the church is going to move or he's going to move, meaning to another place. But that story does illustrate something that's very, very important to us. One of the goals in preaching God's Word is persuasion, okay? Persuading people to not only believe what the passage says, but to act upon it to move and to change, to change directions, for this to change their lives forever. God forbid that our listeners just be hearers of the word and not doers. Let's pull out old James one twenty two there. And as preachers, we are, as what J.I. Packer would put it, seeking unashamedly to change the way people think and live. It's the whole definition of repentance, a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Changing the way that people think and live is ultimately the responsibility of the people hearing uh, and the preaching of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit uses um, the preacher and his persuasive words through that process. That's how he operates that. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, quote, Surely the whole object of this act of preaching, that is, is to persuade people. The preacher does not just say things with the attitude of, quote, take it or leave it. End quote. He desires to persuade them of the truth of his message, and he wants them to see it. He's trying to do something to them, to influence them. He wants to move them, to take them with him, and to lead them to the truth. Closed quote. That's out of the book Preaching and Preachers. Highly recommend that. Highly recommend that. But asking the question, how should we seek to persuade people? to act upon the Word, to change direction, and all those sorts of things. I know of no other way from the pulpit except to lay open before the people what the Scriptures actually say. Here this is Thursday, this coming Sunday. I'm going to be preaching on Psalm 16, going to do an exposition on Psalm 16, the whole psalm. 
So showing people, unfolding the scriptures, and, and for me, especially preaching Psalm 16, what David is asking, he's asking for God to preserve him. And then he goes from a petition to a proclamation that God would preserve him based on how he lived his life through that psalm. So laying that open before the church, laying that open before their eyes and their heart um, through the Holy Spirit's preaching of the Word, that's how we're going to do it. Um, reminding the church that these are not God's requests. These are God's commands. And remind them how worthy God is of our trust and our obedience and then tell them what God desires that they do. So we're not just at the pulpit seeking to, quote, educate, you know, people about what the Bible says and, and what certain people did or, 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 we're, or, we're, or, or, you know, or we're going beyond that. We're trying to show them the beauty of God's Word and the will for God, of God, for their lives. And then we exhort them, go and do the same, Luke 10, 37. God desires you to obey Him in this area. You need to change directions. Do this and you will live, Luke 10, 28. Don't just believe what we're reading. The demons believe, act upon it. One of the questions that immediately comes up in some people's minds after exhortations like these is why? Why does God want me to live this way? Or one of the ways to, to be more effective in persuading people to act on what the scriptures say is to answer this why question. So that one kind of brings us to the next point. Help your listeners understand why God requires particular action. 2 Peter 1 and verse 5, For this reason, make every effort to, and fill in the blank. We've previously talked about the six big questions to be asked. Who, what, where, why, etc. Now, this why question is a little different. When you're teaching and when you're preaching, one of the questions on the minds of your listeners is, Why should I do this? Yes, I understand that God desires for me to do xyz but i'm asking the question of why why is not a bad question it's not a perverted question why is it a good question it, it gives the heart behind the meaning why does god require that i live this way what does this do what does this show uh is this just an obedience thing i shut up and do my job why what is it that he's actually doing why this those are great and very important questions that i and you preacher dear preacher an elder, if you're sitting at the table, if you're a kitchen table elder, not just a business room elder, but you're a kitchen table elder where you're having a conversation with erring Christians or struggling Christians, why you should be obedient, this is your this is your your niche and your why. It is important to answer that question. If a father interrupts his kids, if I were to interrupt Stone, you know, while he's playing out in front of the house after school, and and I say. Uh, come in and put on some nice clothes. Now, Stone's going to naturally want to know why, because <laughs> he's five. Now, a father could just exert his authority. Uh, I could just be the parent and say, because I said so, that's why. And the kids would obey, hopefully, and, and, and that's what Stone's going to do, I, I hope and trust. But though there would probably be some grumbling, I, I would say, if I know my five-year-old. Um but if I take my time, if I explain to him, uh, buddy, I want you to come in and put on some nice clothes because we're leaving the house. We're going to go out to dinner, to a nice restaurant, uh, to enjoy something. 
explaining that to my child and helping him to understand that, that God doesn't just give us something and, and expect us to do it and not give us the why, because that's ultimately what I'm trying to, to mold my child, that I, I'm the representation of God the Father in this home, and this house will be ran the way that God runs his church home, that is. That's what I'm trying to teach Stone. And so when I explain to Stone and I, I, I give him the reasons and I say this is what we're going to he, he still may not like it, but at least he has been given by me the full response and the full information, if you will. I need to be patient. I need to be patient with him and help him understand those things. And that will help him uh, joyfully carry out his request and, and my request, that is. So the same is true for the people that we're preaching to. They are much more likely to joyfully, and that's what we need, not, not somberly or not just whatever, but joyfully carry out God's instructions if they know why God tells them to do something especially if they can see how reasonable God's instructions are, how rooted they are in his wise plan for their life, for their well-being. That's why they're there. They've come to Jesus for their well-being. And sometimes the answer to the question will be right there in the passage that you're preaching from. Other times it won't be. Having a good understanding of scriptures will obviously be of great benefit in those cases. But, but here's a quick tip. The answers to the why questions are often related to, number one, who God is. Number two, what God has done for sinners. And number three, what he has in store for the future for those who obey or disobey. Let me go over those again. Why do we behave? Why do we do? Because it has something to do with who God is. It has something to do for what God has done for sinners. And number three, it, it, it has something to do with what is in store in the future for those who obey and disobey, or disobeys the idea. So that you'll see see that kind of fleshed out. Um, let's just take an easy one, okay? Forgiving others, which is not an easy one to do for, for some people. Forgiving others. You gotta forgive you gotta you gotta forgive. Well, why? Because God forgave us, Ephesians 4:32. So in the same way that we ask God for forgiveness, when somebody asks you for forgiveness, you grant them that repentance. Uh, you grant them that forgiveness. Yes, absolutely. God has been so tenderhearted to me. How could I withhold that from you? I can't. So my brethren need to know why we forgive. Well, if I'm going to tell them to walk in love, well, why? Well, because Christ walked in the same way and he loved us, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. You got to be holy. Why? Well, that's because God is holy. He's separate and apart. Uh, separate and apart. We, we love those terms, 1 Peter 1, 16. Uh, don't, don't judge another person. Why? Because Christ is the judge, five, John 5, 22, Romans 14, 4. So there's, there's whys behind those things. Uh, let's talk about this one. Uh, we, we would think there, it's redundant, but for some folks it's not. Uh, flee sexual immorality. Why? Well, because your body uh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, representation of the church. Um, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. That's kind of important. Um, you need to repent. Uh, you need to turn from your sin and turn to your Savior. Why? Oh, I guess just because there's a judgment day coming. And you don't want to spend forever in hell, Romans 2, 5 through 6. That's just kind of mm, maybe something good to do. And, of course, those aren't the only answers to, to these why questions, but you just can just you can just see how explaining these truths would help to motivate your listeners to obey. So 
obviously that, but also this next point. Restate the important stuff. Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. One of the communication tools an, an, an experienced teacher often neglects to use is restatement or repetition. And it shows right out of their preaching and their teaching. The young man will say, open your Bibles with me to such and such a verse. Then he'll pray, he'll start reading. Well, experience tells us that as people start reaching for their Bibles, only about two-thirds of them remember what verse he asked them to turn to. So when he starts reading, a third of the congregation is looking around wondering, what verse did he say? I mean, look over to Sister Martha's book. What is she on? What page? I can't see. She don't have large lettering like I do. I've got, I've got blind eyes. And so the obvious way to avoid this problem is to restate the verse a few seconds later after first mentioning it. If, if you're using PowerPoint, Keynote, if you're Apple like me, holy and righteous and beloved, highly favored by God, uh, you're going to use Keynote. You might also you know, put the verses on there for reference for the screen so that people can look and see. So restating your main points, obviously, is, is also important, or restating a theme I do that in my sermons. If I'm preaching the theme for the year, which is the abundant life at Piedmont Road in 2022, I'm going to be preaching that. Every one of my sermons on Sunday morning has something to do with the abundant life. So restating the point and the theme, we're thematic. There's a system to what we're doing. It's it's highly important, especially for note takers, because they can't remember everything that you say. You know, if you say, here here we see a fifth truth, justification, Um and and you keep on going and and without restating your point, only about a fourth of those taken notes are going to get what you said down on paper, and another fourth are just going to write down something that's wrong. Um, it's important. It's highly important that we know what we believe. True, yes, and it's highly important to know why we believe it. Right. Well, if you were to just get up there and say, well, it's important that we know what we believe and why we believe it, and you don't repeat it, if that's your, if that's your main point, um, you, people, people, aren't, people aren't really going to um, remember what, what you're saying is, is what I'm trying to convey. Um, in addition to restating verses and references and main points, the important stuff, um, when when they when you ask people to, to turn to and your important points, it's also it's also good to occasionally reread an entire verse, even slowing down over keywords. I do this, especially in exposition. You know, as you're reading this, you're going through, you're slowly just chopping this up. You're allowing listeners to, to process more of what's actually being said. So those are some points I want to leave you with today. Uh, this fine Thursday afternoon, you're you're here to to preach to persuade, okay? You're here to teach them what God has to say, and not just what, but but number two, helping your listeners understand why He requires it. So don't just give them facts; give them the heart of the law. Don't just give them the letter. Don't just give them the pen. Give them the heart of the law. It's what Jesus came to do. Um, preach the gospel. Persuade people. Um, tell them why. And then restate it. Um, when I was in preaching school, they often said, "Good, um, good, um, good habit is to tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them." 
And so um, that gets a little redundant. Some folks don't like that. Some folks do. Uh, but it's, it's probably good, especially for starting out somewhere so people can begin to learn who you are, learn what you're about, remember more of what you say. So God be with you this week in your preaching, and your praying. Pray for me. I'm praying for you as we persuade people to live a certain way for the right reasons, to give their heart and all the glory to God above.